They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. As always, I am your host, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa, and this is yet another installment in our Fireside Chats. Um, Those are showcasing shows, content creators, and the like who are part of the new Fireside Alliance that I have started with my good friend Alex Shaw of School of Movies. Before I get into who today's guest is, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons because you are one of the many reasons um, why it's still fun doing this. I, I love, 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 love making shows. I would do this for free. But those of you that remind me that you actually um, uh, understand that this takes time and time, you know, it's nice to get a little bit of money back so you can keep putting time into it. It's it's great. So you are Aaron Moriarty, Andrew Krause, Seth Comfort, collaborating online, Seth Decker, Shor Hansen, Gusted, Robert V. Aldrich, Mike the Gatherer, Kevin C.V., Alex Peregrine, Alex Shaw, Geeks with Shields, Green Goblin, Patricia Chipman, Brendan Agnew, Christopher Finnick, and G.D. Thank you all so, so much. And um, because this is about the Fireside Alliance and about my guest, who is part of the Fireside Alliance, today's show is brought to you by the Fireside Alliance and the Leftover Army Monsters podcast. And with that, I have Dan Hefner of the Leftover Army Monsters podcast. Introduce yourself to the peoples. Hey, peoples. How's everybody doing today? And thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So, um... I I'd seen your stuff shared around um, from Alex and Sharon, and you were one of the very first names that came up when I was talking to Alex. You know, we were spitballing back and forth shows that we knew that we needed to get into this. As like, oh, I need you know Dan and the leftover Army Monsters people, and I was like, oh man, I gotta really dig in. So that that's one of the things I love about this is it's really made me sit down and catch up on this content, and I, I love your show. I appreciate that, man, and I don't know why i was like one of the first names he brought up i feel like it's probably just because he had just recently been on an episode when we talked about the original tremors but i was flattered and more than honored and everything and i'm happy to be a part of this that's awesome so um you know obviously alex is the one that reached out to you what a just from the short period of time what is it like a month now maybe a month and a half we've all been collaborating um in in the discord land and everything else um, what are your thoughts? Like, what is what does it mean to you? Um, you know, to be part of this, or what? What do you, you know, just what, like reaction? Is it awesome? Yeah, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. It's nice to have a group of people, content creators, and then listeners of said content across a multitude of different topics or niche markets and so forth that are all kind of together in one place and being able to share ideas, share things that are going on in their lives, whether, you know, we have a large different bunch of uh, subgroups in the Discord for the individual content creators, and then also like the general chat and movies and music and TV and so forth. And it's nice having that kind of uh, ease of access of just, let's see what everybody is kind of, you know, what's going on today in everybody's world and seeing what's going on. And it also helps to keep up with like, news announcements and everything that I don't always have time to catch up on when I'm working. So it's nice. I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, I, 
I'm slowly getting through, you know, catching up or at least catching and checking up on some of the, our other members of the Fireside Alliance's content. I'm really bad at, like, delegating time to listen oh, yeah. to stuff these days because I'm either working or I'm editing or I'm doing something else tangentially related to one of those things to some degree. So I don't always have a lot of time. I used to listen to a lot more stuff. But I'm trying to get back into listening more. Well, it, it, true. And like you, you start to feel the, even if you haven't listened to a ton of the people's shows, it gives you a more personal idea of who they are and why they're doing what they're doing just from interacting with them. And, you know, I used to be of the mindset that like, I liked Twitter more than I liked something like Facebook because Facebook started as being kind of curated, right? Like I'm only going to be around the people I want to let in. And Twitter was more the, I'm just going to throw my mind out into the echo chamber that isn't really an echo chamber, right? I'm going to throw my mind out into the world. And at first that's really exciting because you get, you know, viewpoints from all different sides. And then you realize that that can open yourself up to vulnerability for people that are bad actors and want to take advantage of that. Um, and then Facebook, you realize sometimes that the people closest to you are maybe not necessarily the best people for you either. So being able to curate and pare that down into an inclusive, but with rules group of, you know, Hey, jo join in with us. Talk about the stuff we love. We, we, we welcome different viewpoints. We welcome different types of people. Just don't be a jerk about it. And we've already had to exercise that a little bit. And it's showing that we've really built quite a community in there, I think, already. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, you know, I came, my podcast started off as it's part of an already existing group called Leftover Army. It's just a group of people across the world to all listen to this one podcast, uh, Pop Culture Leftovers. And we kind of just built up this community around, like, fans of that and to the point where, at C2E2 here in Chicago every year, the the hosts of Pop Culture Leftovers, PCL, they live in Southern Illinois. They come up every year. And then a bunch of us, you know, like last year, it was the one convention that happened before COVID happened. Because uh, um, it was like at the end of February. Uh, and, you know, there was probably like 30 of us from including the hosts and then the rest of the leftover army that were there. And there's, you know, like 1500 or so members in that uh, Facebook group. So I very much understood what this Fireside Alliance is kind of going to kind of be like, because we have the main uh, leftover army page feed. We have a collector's group sub feed and so forth. So it's very much in line with that. So I kind of had an idea of what it was going to be going into it. And it very much mirrors it. And yeah inclusivity but you know a little bit of mediation a little bit of moderation and somebody looking out overhead and be like all right let's let's break that up just you go to your corner you right. go to your corner let's all calm the f down real quick it's protective inclusivity it's it's mm -hmm. not it's not hey the door is open and anyone can walk in and we're going to pretend that that person that's acting like a tool doesn't get called out on and it's like hey you know Maybe you didn't recognize because we're all from different walks of life, all from different levels of mental health and, you know, um, vulnerability. Maybe you didn't realize the way you're acting is really triggering or upsetting to someone. So we're going to give you a chance to make good on it. But we're also not just going to stand there and sweep it under the rug and pretend, oh, that's just them being them. Don't worry about it. It's inclusive. So we have to allow them. 
it, it's it's a little bit of like best of both worlds, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's it's important to have groups of people who, because it's like your closest friend group and everything. Of like, you're you're free to be who you are, but they'll call you on your shit when you're doing something you're fucking up. You know, like it's you need to be able to be comfortable to do that and have that be done to you when necessary. Because nobody's perfect. We're all constantly learning. We're all constantly growing and changing and everything. So it's important to have that perspective from other people, especially the people closest to you, or at least are on a similar wavelength to you to be able to call you when you're not doing what you should be doing, or you're saying something you shouldn't or, you know, whatever. And you, you bring up a very important point that the, the inverse of this, right. Where not only in the non version of the fireside Alliance world, are people more apt to be allowed to get away with being abusive trolls? Let's just say the other side of it is you also get raked over the coals for every little possible thing that you do. If enough people jump on it and say, Hey, you know what this guy did wasn't cool. And there's also really no mediation to allow you to learn and grow. So it's, it's a two way street, right? Like we, someone in the fireside Alliance can walk in and do something not great, right? Say something not great. And it's a group where it's going to say, Hey, we're going to help you learn, you know, if you want to, before we just go and say, get the hell out of here. You know what I mean? Exactly. Where it, it, it's, it's, it reminds me a lot of, I've been watching a lot of what's been going on recently with conventions and live shows and things trying to reopen post COVID. And the biggest fear that I've had, and I think a lot of people have had is, yeah, we do have to get to a point where we're comfortable, whatever that comfort level is, in being in public spaces around people again. Like, that's a thing we all have to relearn how to do. Is anyone out there looking out for me? Am, am I going to go to a restaurant? Yeah, they were doing contact tracing and this and the other thing. But is someone really attempting to curate the safest possible environment for me to go and be comfortable with that. And so I've migrated towards things that are actively trying to do their best to make those situations happen. My job, for example, you know, I've, I've had to be here pretty much the whole time. There was maybe like a month that we were able to, that I was able to work from home productively and then it just didn't work anymore. Um, but my work made it be, Hey, we're going to abide by Massachusetts law and lift the mask mandate. The only people allowed to follow that rule are people that have their vaccination card on file. And that's it. So literally, if you want to walk around without a mask, you better be able to prove that you're vaccinated. And I really appreciated that because that's my work attempting to keep us safe, right? As, as safe as they can, curating an environment that's safe. Salem Horror Fest is one of the first conventions I've seen that's outwardly come out and said, you cannot attend our live events without proof of vaccination. And they are getting crapped on for it. And I really love how they're standing their ground because that's basically saying, look it, we are a community, an inclusive community that welcomes, unless you're a jerk, you know, the horror community is a big diverse community. But we are not going to put a bunch of people from all different parts of the world in enclosed spaces together without being able to at least attest that everyone in there is as safe as we can possibly make it. 
And I think yeah. that that's something that people don't get is you need a little bit of mediation to, to keep a group of people safe in being able to be who they are. And you I mean, know, that's, to... that's just society in general. I mean, that's yeah. why civilizations, cultures have laws and rules in the first place. You know, it's left unchecked one person. Yeah. You can probably, depending on the person figure things are, they're probably going to be okay. You get 10 people, it gets trickier, 20 people more. So a hundred people. All right. Now, yeah, these conventions, some of them, you know, like, large ones like Comic-Con or C2E2 or whatever with upwards of like 60, 70, 80,000 plus people. Yeah. And like you have to have, you know, there are rules and guidelines at a convention in the first place. And with everything that happened with COVID, yeah, I appreciate the fact that, yeah, the Salem one is like, no, you have to be vaccinated. No ifs, ands, or buts. You have to be vaccinated. You have to show it. You have to prove it. And that's important right now because it's, not and not just for the sake of the convention, because first of all, if they didn't do that and then a bunch of outbreak happened because of that, well, now eyes and litigation and everything else are coming down to that convention. That convention's oh. probably dead. Oh, yeah. So and it's not and it's not just a self preservation thing for the convention organizers and creators, but it's important for everybody there because, yeah, let's face it, conventions pre COVID especially large ones, they're not the most hygienic of places in the world. You know, everybody, you know, always talks about like, you know, the Pax Pox and Conflu and this, that. So it's like, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it was always a thing anyway, because you get that many people, not everybody has the same levels of hygiene or the same uh, routines or regiments and that kind of thing with like bathing, shaving, deodorant even like stuff that's not necessarily like gonna get someone else sick but you know it's those places they get hot they get sweaty they're indoors and especially if it's summertime it's even hotter outdoors so forth so it's important to have these guidelines and rules and coming out of what we all just went through for the last year and a half or so yeah i think every convention should be doing that of no you got to be vaccinated and since now at least in the u.s that anybody can get vaccinated. It's not like it's, oh, well, I can't. No, you just haven't. And that's fine, but there are consequences for that. Well, they even have a good response to the people that say, but what if I have a medical reason why I can't? And they're like, that's perfectly legitimate. But unfortunately, what we're saying is, if you have a medical reason why you can't get vaccinated, that means you are probably not necessarily in the best physical condition health-wise or you don't have the right immunities and everything else to be around what would be happening do you know what i mean so maybe maybe you want to check that and think maybe you shouldn't be attending a multi-thousand person enclosed event after a pandemic you know exactly and that's not you know a slight on people who have medical issues in that particular realm right. but it is a matter of if you are immunocompromised to some degree most people who are take extra precautions in the first place and that's right fine and so forth and this is just an extension of that idea on a more macro as opposed to a micro scale and that's important to do it's just important to do and look yeah you might miss out because you you have a physical condition or a medical issue that means you can't get vaccinated, okay, then you miss out this year. But yeah. it'll be around next year. There'll be other conventions, you know. 
uh, you know, we've all suffered with the fact that like the last year and a half, two years in a row for most people in their convention circuit, we haven't had conventions. And for a lot of us, I know, especially those of us who work hard and everything and don't travel or get out a lot on their own, whether it's work or family or whatever, we use those conventions to really kind of cut loose, blow off steam and relax and have a good time and, and recharge our like back to the grind batteries and everything. And it's been hard not having those there as a way to kind of do that and expel all that negativity and be able to pull in a lot of positivity. But, you know, that's what happens. And it's better to suffer for it short term in order to have the long term benefits of, hey, we're not all dropping dead constantly. Yeah, exactly. And so it's it's just an interesting way you start seeing parallels there, you know, between because because I, I hate echo chambers. I don't want to live in an echo chamber. And and I think that cons are a perfect place for it not to be an echo chamber. I said this walking into PAX East the first time I ever went with my brother. And I went, where did this come from? We're, we're standing in line with, you know, you've got one type of fan base here. You've got jocks over here, geeks over here, nerds, you know, people that wouldn't. And when we were in high school have been caught dead admitting that they're all into the same type of stuff all together having a great time and they have their own thing and their own misconceptions and their own insecurities, but they're experiencing it in parallel with one another. And that's what I really like about the implications of what this fireside thing can do is that it, this isn't 18 different podcasts that are all about movies or 18 different podcasts that are all about Kaiju, you know, or 18, it, it's, a whole bunch of different people coming at fandom and um, you know, just what they love from a different standpoint, but you put them all together and now we're sharing and curating ideas and, Oh, well now I know that if I have a question about um, an upcoming, you know, a giant monster movie, I'm going to check in with Dan and the leftover army monsters people. And well, we have a, we have a podcast with um, therapists on it. You know what I mean? We can, you know, check in with, with their show and it's, it's just blowing my mind how quickly you just get, you find some core thing of, I just like sharing my content with people and people that aren't jerks. And then all of a sudden you get all these different walks of life together and it's safe and it feels great, but we're not just um, regurgitating and echoing, you know, the same loves and dislikes. It's, it's just wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's that proverbial melting pot experience that's boiled down into a smaller thing than the vast because that can be overwhelming on the best of days. Um, but it's nice having that. And yeah, like you said, all these different viewpoints and having different specialities that each show kind of has their own take on certain things. And like, you know, even within it, on uh, different podcasts that have covered the same particular content times, you know, Alex and Sharon on School of Movies a while back, they covered the um, Anne Hathaway movie Colossal. We cover on the show and we had different takes on certain things and different ideas about certain things. And, you know, it's important to have that perspective. And it's why, like for me with my show, it was very important for me because so a bit of background about how the show kind of came about as a whole you, here. You you did a nice segue because that's exactly what I was about to do. <laughs> I wasn't going to toot my own horn, but since you're doing it for me, thank you. Um uh, you know, I've been a fan of kaiju movies for over 30 years now. You know, I've told the story on the show a couple times, but I'll do an abridged version of it here. You know, when I was about five years old, this would have been like 1989, 1990, 
uh, I was already into dinosaurs because what kid at that age at that time period isn't right. My dad went to he would do overseas trips for business to a lot of times to either London or Singapore. One of these times he'd come back from London. And, you know, he was a good dad and got me and my older brother souvenirs, got my brother something sports related, probably baseball. They connected on sports and everything. And then he just happened to pick up in a store somewhere out in London. Uh, it's specifically the six-inch Imperial brand Godzilla toy. It was a tie-in <laughs> for the reboot of the franchise back in 84. Um, oh, and brought yeah. that home for me and everything. So, And that was my first exposure to anything monster-related. I hadn't seen Godzilla before. I hadn't seen King Kong or anything, just dinosaurs. And I knew about like dragons and stuff from other media. So that kind of got me into it. Like A couple months later... That same movie, Godzilla 1984, 1985 for international audiences, was going to be on TV. My dad let me know about it. I sat down and watched it, and it fucking, you know, it it had me. And it's been 31 years now that I've been obsessed with the genre and everything. So I know a fair bit about this kind of stuff. But I wanted to make sure that I had people who didn't, who weren't just other experts and big-time fans, because then it's just we're recycling the same thing. And I've had those kind of conversations at like the local Godzilla con that happens every year here in Chicago, except for the last two years, of course. So I went through the leftover army, the group that I was already a part of and was like, Hey, I have this idea. I want to do this podcast. I'm looking for people who would be interested in doing it. And I was lucky because my co-host Eric, he is a perfect example of what most people especially in like you know gen x or uh, millennials had with it of like you know saw some of them growing up as a kid and enjoyed them on like tv or whatever right and kind of enjoyed them and you know liked what they saw but didn't get into it and eventually grew out of it or whatever so that's like 80 85 of at least americans you know experience with monster movies is that kind of a thing and then my other co-host amanda she'd never seen anything she saw the recent rampage movie and the original pacific rim and that was it she'd never seen a godzilla movie never saw a kong movie never saw you know anything ultraman or power rangers well she saw a couple episodes of power rangers as a kid because she was like babysitting but you know wasn't into it or anything so i was so happy to get that because you need that perspective like we were just talking about the fireside alliance as a whole i wanted the perspective of people who had different viewpoints and different places of knowledge within the genre to be on the show because otherwise it's just me basically talking to myself for an hour and a half two hours and while i could do that that's not interesting content you know that's, nobody cares to listen to that i would still do it though and then later on uh one of my good friends tiara she's our fourth member who's on the show every week um i've known her for a long time and she happened to uh, need a place to stay for a while. So she moved in with my with me at my uh, townhouse here. And I was like, well, you're watching them with me every week as preparation for the show anyway. So you might as well just come on the show. So she hopped on and I've, you know, she's she's had a decent amount of exposure of it over the years because if you're friends with me in person, you get that. It's just like yeah. all my friends, like we still do it to this day. Like if we're, getting together for a gathering at somebody's place or whatever, like we're going to be doing next Saturday um, for a bonfire. Everybody's isn't vaccinated. It great, isn't it great to be able to say that again? Yeah, it really kind of is nice to say that again. And and have it not feel like you're some sort of right-wing rebel having to say it like, no, we're doing it safely and it's okay now. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't have to be like, we're, we're, 
we're gonna hang out together in person. You know, Shh. you're not like whispering. Don't into tell like, my, don't tell my parents. They're gonna exactly. Get <laughs> there might be alcohol involved. Shh. <laughs> but yeah, it's I mean, like most. Again. Yeah, most times when we have these kinds of hangouts and everything, you know, we're hanging and whatever. And then as the night goes on, it gets later on. We go back inside, and then. I, I bust out. I always bring a couple different kaiju movies with me, and we put one on, and we drink to it. Can't beat that kind of good time, man. Mm-hmm. That actually sounds... That would be great right about now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, always, it's always fun to do, and I do try to mix it up every time to make sure we're not... There's some there's some uh, classic favorites within the group that are our go-tos, like... Godzilla Final Wars is probably the biggest, like, go-to, just because it's so bombastic and over-the-top and completely crazy. Out, out of its mind. That, that movie is bonkers. In the best way possible, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a love letter. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's really cool. You, you said the... the um, name of the overarching podcast that kind of created all these little subgroups was what again? Pop culture leftovers. And and I've honestly never heard of it, surprisingly, which which is strange for me. But what what was the uh intention, like what, what was the basis of that original or I'm sure it's still around of that show? Um I mean it is just one of those like, you know, overall encompassing pop culture shows. I mean they had they've known each other for a long time, so they have a lot of banter the episodes average like five hours long every week and everything so it's like their whole saturday night but you know they go over like marvel news dc news star wars stuff if there's anything to have general pop culture talking about like things that they've recently watched or read or whatever and you know just kind of going through all the stuff that's kind of been going on the last week or so in terms of the pop culture zeitgeist breaking down trailers or shows if there's a specific movie that came out that they're going to cover they talk about that as well i kind of go over give their ratings and do you know like most review episodes do for something but there's always all the other stuff entailed as well so that's why it goes like five four five sometimes over six hours long so that that's really cool that their community started making sub podcasts within it i think that's great yeah, it's been a really interesting uh, evolution with uh, the group and everything. Because initially it was just the show, the Pop Culture Leftover show, for a while. And then, like, it's I'm pretty sure I was actually the first guest to be on the show. And it's because I had, you know, they had mentioned on the previous on a previous episode that, hey, we're going to be at C2E2 or whatever. So I live right outside of the city. So I was like, hey, fuck it. I'll message uh, Brian, the main host, and be like, hey... You know, if you guys want, I'll meet you guys there at some point, like Saturday evening at the Sky Bar, and we'll hang out or whatever. And, you know, just love to meet you guys and hang out a bit. Did that, had good rapport. And then, you know, a couple months later, uh, drove down to, you know, like three and a half hours to their place to record with them. Made an, and I'd never done a podcast or anything before, made an absolute fool of myself. But, you know, it's their, their podcast is very much a like, you know, we don't uh, hold back our punches. You know, we'll, we're constantly making fun of each other and cracking jokes. And, you know, 
and it's the it, it's the 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 guy mentality, but not the like oh locker room talk kind of bullshit. No, no, no. Nothing I know like, what you mean. I know yeah, exactly. exactly. What you mean. So. And then after that, other people would come on occasionally and so forth. And like now, most episodes is usually at least one guest on for at least part of an episode. And as a result of it, everybody just kind of it just kind of created this group of listeners and everything that became the leftover army and created a group and everything. And so, like, yeah, most of the people that are guests on my show, you know, two out of my three co-hosts are I met through that. And then most of the guests that come on are other members left over army and everything. So, you know, it's been really cool and fun. And so, you know, my feed, my show isn't the only one on the podcast feed that's part of the Fireside Alliance. I'm just the one that's on every week a new episode. But, like, there's uh, Scott Schutte. He does Tales from the Yard. Uh, He uploads every so often. He also does every uh, October, uh, every day, covering a horror movie for Halloween and everything through the entire month. That's always really fun to listen to. And then there's a couple of the ones, like, What's Your Story and so forth. Again, like, little ones that have just popped up here and there. So, you know, it's been fun kind of being on that end. You know, other people have their own shows with their own RSS feeds that are separate from the Leftover Army, and I've guested on a number of those several times. So, you know, it's a real, it's become, again, kind of like the Fireside Alliance of this collaborative kind of group, conscious, not consciousness, but this group of melting pot of all different kinds of people. And we have people from England, we have people, you know, from Africa, we have people all over the world, so... Uh, one of the guests has been on a couple times. Kay, she lives in New Zealand, and she actually works for Weta Digital. Nice. Yeah. So it's been she's been on a couple times. She was on when we covered Rampage because her name's in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so you had said you're you're from outside Chicago. Is that what you said? Yeah, just outside. Did you did you grow up there, or is that where you are now? Yeah, no, I'm born and raised a uh, Chicago person. Uh, Chicago is always thinking, like, you know how it is trying to tell people, like, you know, I'm from this oh, yeah. exact place. Because I know you guys were talking about that with uh, Alex and Sharon and everything. It's like, yeah, Chicago is a much larger encompassing place than the actual city limits itself. So I grew up on the south suburbs, you know, maybe a half-hour drive from downtown, Yep. And then, like, my dad, my mom still lives there now. My dad now lives in uh, northern suburbs closer to the Wisconsin border. And I'm uh, just a couple miles uh, on the western suburbs. So, Very cool. And, um, like, what gets you from, you know, like, childhood geek to, to doing this podcast? Like, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what was your influences? You talked about, you know dinosaurs and dragons and your dad brought you this Godzilla thing and that set it off. But you know, like when Bob and I were little, uh, you know, my brother, you couldn't find a dinosaur toy to save your life. Like this is, you know, the mid to late eighties. It really hadn't blown up yet. My, my grandmother and grandfather went out to like Arizona and went to like dig sites in Utah and that, and brought back, you know, like shirts and stuff. So we like held on to like those little trinkets and then Dino Riders came about, and then you know we learned what Godzilla was, and then you know all of a sudden the world just opens up, right? I'm and, sorry, hold on. Oh, Dino Riders! Oh, I had like almost every single Dino Rider toy. Right. None of them survived. Not a single no. one survived childhood. But 
I've looked they on are, eBay. I've looked on eBay a few times. Like I want to get the T Rex again. I'm like, I'm not ready to drop four hundred dollars on it yet. There was nothing like them though. Like I, I don't remember a toy that I ever felt was at. Because again, they, they, like you said, they didn't survive because we beat the crap out of them, and they weren't the most like high quality things in the entire world. But the dinosaurs themselves were durable. All the yeah. armor though was like the cheapest of plastics. <laughs> But playing with them felt like you were in the damn commercials. I loved 80s kids' toy commercials because they just showed the kids playing with them. Right. You know? So and I, and I felt like that when I when you played with the dinosaur. Like, one of my favorites was the catch, the catch nets for the pterodactyls. Yeah, the the, the it's like the rock formation and the two sweep yeah. out the net, yeah. Oh my god. That's like straight out of the first episode they do that. <laughs> yep. Yep. God, yeah, I, I have the series on a bootleg DVD. <laughs> I still have the old VHSs that like they gave away at Burger King or whatever. I don't <laughs> Yeah, no, my I, my at my mom's house there's still like two or three of them, like the episode 1, the episode 2, and then the Ice Age one that ended the show. That was good stuff. Yeah. But so it's stuff like that. Like it's it was a bit easier for me to find like dinosaur stuff. Um, I like I, we were well enough off. You know, we weren't we weren't a family that struggled for money or anything. So you know, semi frequent visits to like Toys R Us or KB Toys or whatever, right? Um, but all specifically for like kaiju stuff, it was comic book stores. They would yeah. have some of the old Bandai figures up there, and I still have them. Like, I still have my uh, 60s Gamera and Zegra toy. I still have the 6-inch Imperial Godzilla. It's, like, in perfect condition, too, except for, like, some paint chipping off the fingers and the toes, you know? Awesome. Yeah, so, like, it was things like that and, like, comic book stores, and just every week, you know, the TV guide would come out, and I would just peruse through it, station by station, time slot by time slot, day by day, looking for anything that sounded remotely dinosaur or monster related, and, like, circle it and make a note somewhere to, like, try to watch it on TV or anything. And also, just, like, there were a number... I was fortunate enough to just kind of, by happenstance from, like, Sam Goody's and Suncoast videos, find over time, and blockbusters, when they were like, all right, we're you know, uh, cleaning out some of our inventory and, you know, I'd be like, well, this, they have this movie, this movie and this movie, I want to go buy them, you know? So I, I was fortunate enough to just find a good amount of stuff over time through purchasing it and other venues. And it was, I was really fortunate for that. You know, like I had stuff that people had never really heard of. Like I had the, I still had the VHS for Gorgo. It's like, most of what the hell Gorgo is. Oh, I love it. So, like, it all kind of was that. And at the same time, like, the other big thing from my childhood that's still a big thing for me to this day is Transformers. You know, I was oh, yeah. I was too old or I was too young to watch, like, the original run of G1. But I caught it a few years later when it was on syndication in the late 80s to the early 90s and then Generation 2. And then as that was running on TV, Beast Wars came out. And it just kind of kept going from there so i i i'm very much a person who never let go of their child i never set those childish things aside to become a man well what's the point don't do that keep them exactly 
I mean, I still, God, if it's the, the, the amount of Legos and action figures and stuff that I still have lying around. I, I, you know, I, I remember, um, I got way into Todd McFarlane action figure collecting when I was like 11. Sure. And, uh, one of the ones I had that like didn't sell well because it wasn't from the spawn comics, um, was the max. And I loved the max. The max is great. I loved the show. And I had this Max action figure that because of his giant feet and just large, slow center of gravity body was the easiest thing in the world to animate. So I made like limitless animations when I was a kid, I, a big um, stop motion guy. So big Harry Hosen fan here. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Talking oh, giant. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do I have any of those uh, animations of the of your Max figure ever? Uh, do they still exist? Yeah, a few of them are on YouTube. Uh, okay. I, I, there was one long one that I did that I can't find the VHS copy of so I can get it up there. But I, I had done a, like three or four little short films that I called just The Toy. And it was about this Max character kept waking up on my shelf and trying to escape. And I would foil it somehow. And it just made for like fun little Toy Story style vignettes. I was gonna say um, it's like a really it's a slightly dark, it's a more directly dark, but not as like deep dark version of Toy Story. Yeah, and it uh, it, it was great, and I um I need to find it. I even did this because the the whole point of the animation stuff was just me playing around. Like I I started adding camera movements into it, which is a hard thing to animate, but adds so much more life to the you know the shots. And yeah. then I then I made a horror movie, which is on my YouTube channel. If you look for Chris Chipman on on YouTube, you'll find it. It's called Night of the Living Toys, and the Max is one of the characters that comes to life and nice. terrorizes my family. Um, there's two versions of that I did a silent one and then one with dialogue because I didn't know how to mix the two originally. Um, <laughs> but I ended up I ended up getting an A in a fourth quarter English class in high school because I wrote a script quote unquote, and then filmed it. And the teacher was so blown away. Like that I had done this. He's like, yeah, you're, you're good. Um, That's really cool, man. Like I, the thing is like, I never outside of just playtime and everything. I never took like the things I loved and, you know, did something with them outside of that with academics or pursued it to a point where it could have become a potential career option, you know? So it's, you know, so in the meantime, nowadays, to so jump forward to present day, it's I've been I'm working in pest control. It's like, well, not my dream job, but you know what? It pays the bills and allows me to afford all the stupid overpriced collectibles that I enjoy. So Hell fair yeah. enough. And one day you're gonna find the giant radioactive ant. And then it'll be, you know, hopefully you'll have the right tools at your disposal to take it out and it won't be like the merman in um Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> Never gonna see a fucking merman. <laughs> oh man, yeah. They always uh, my co-host always joke about that with me on the show because I'm like, look, despite what people think, I'm not just gonna go run out of kaiju if it happens. I'm gonna be like a half a mile away, watching it on a rooftop and studying it, so that when inevitably the military response fails, I can run up to the military command post because presumably there is one. If if movies have taught me anything, they're 100% realistic, and there's just a command post that a civilian can walk up to 
and just like, hey, I know what you need to do. And they go, this guy has got a fresh idea. Put him in charge. And that's that's how it's going to go down. Like, it, Absolutely. The internet movies do not lie. Ever. No, no, never. They never do. But so, I mean, like, it's all this stuff has always kind of been there in my life. And of course, like you said, like pre-Jurassic Park, you know, it was a little bit harder to find stuff. But yeah, once Jurassic Park happens in 93, dinosaurs and monsters are a big craze again and everything. And so it's much easier to find that kind of stuff. And so like I, I always as a kid, you know, I would take like my Lego sets and my uh, Matchbox sets and all this other stuff and like take my Playmobil stuff and create these whole scenarios and play things. It'd be like a whole day, like on a Friday after school, setting it up. And then Saturday would be the big thing. And like three, four hours, I'm making this, you know, narrative. I'm not filming it, which, you know, like you, you did. And I go, I always sit here and go, I really should have like taken a camera and just filmed it. Cause why the hell not? Right. If so I, I always had these I, ideas. I, if I had stuck those damn animations on YouTube, like on day one of YouTube's existence, I would be rolling in it right now. And so right. would you, right? Uh, this is, look at this adorable thing of me as a kid doing geeky stuff, like just cleans up now. Exactly. Right? Oh man. Could have, would have, should have, but you know what? We weren't, we weren't savvy enough or forward thinking enough at the time to know what would have come. So exactly. So now we just record podcasts and, and have mm-hmm. a good time. Mostly because we like to hear ourselves talk and talk with other people. Exactly. Now, so then, that, so you've always had those things in your life. So, and, and then you said it, you started following the, the, the leftover um, pop, pop culture leftovers. And then, so had you had any aspirations to ever podcast before being on their show? Or did that like switch on the, 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 the love? Um, it's hard. Let me think about that for a second. Cause you know, they weren't the first podcast I listened to. The very first podcast I listened to is one called now playing podcast. They're still on to this day. Uh, the main host is also a Illinois, uh, resident and everything. Um, and like, they were the first one that I started listening to. It was by happenstance because then the, uh, 2009, the first JJ Abrams Star Trek movie was coming out. And I was looking for trying to go through and watch all the previous movies in the Star Trek universe. And I was looking for Star Trek Six Undiscovered Country. And they had happened to cover it. And I clicked on it. And then, you know, I've listened to them still to this day. Um, but then, like, them, uh, uh, Alex and Sharon's show, uh, I got into back in 2012. Because I was late to the party to watching Avatar The Last Airbender. And then my buddy Nick, who's been on my show a couple of times, he told me about uh, their podcast. And so I started listening to them. They then got me into We Hate Movies when they were on uh, their show for an episode. And, you know, there's a bunch of other ones that have come and gone and so forth. So the I feel like they're, the seed of the, bug, of the bug was there for a while before I hit PCL for the first time. But... That really kind of being on their show for the first time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put myself out there. Fuck it. Why not? What's the worst that can happen? I can make an ass of myself. I did exactly that. And you know what? It was okay. So it kind of, after that, it it sprouted, I guess you could say, or budded or whatever. And I went, you know what? And I've been on other people's shows since and so forth. And I was eventually just hit that threshold where I'm like, 
why not just do one about the stuff that I talk about? Because there's not enough people talking about the stupid shit that I'm into. So somebody else should. So I'm like, why not me? Why not me? And got a crew together and just sat down and started doing it. And, you know, it'll have been three years uh, come Halloween. Oh, congrats. That's awesome. Yeah, we, my my podcasting bug came from um, Tim Luz of Cinemaspection, who's part of the uh, um, Fireside Alliance. And Tim's a long fr- long ago friend, worked at Blockbuster together, and he had said, I'm thinking of doing a podcast. And so I was either on his first episode or like the first group of episodes he ever did, me and my wife were on, and I immediately afterwards was like, I'm addicted to this. I had no idea. I hadn't even listened to a podcast before. Um, at that point, I think like a month later is the very first time I listened to a show outside of that show. And it was welcome to night Vale. You know, I've, I, I was way late to the party on podcasts and I'm just like, this is addictive. I need to do this, whatever this is. And was on their show a bunch of times. And then my brother said, Hey, my fans want me to do a show. And I'm like, yes, podcast, let's do it. Little did I know his whole intention of doing that was to gift me content. He literally <laughs> said, I did, I did this so you'd have an outlet. Here you go. Start your stuff. And I've grown and grown and grown and added more shows to the repertoire and can't stop. So I, I love it. it. It's What I like about it is that you can put as much or as little, and I don't mean that as a positive or negative, but you can put as much or as little into it as you want. And it doesn't. If, if people enjoy what you're putting out there, it doesn't really affect um, how it feels. You know what I mean? Like I could, I can, that's what I like about this show. I can have someone on and like really go off the cuff and just let the conversation go because I feel like I'm just, I, I enjoy talking and I like enjoy getting to know people and I can do that. Or I can, you know, do a show where I'm really going to analyze and sit down and take notes and really talk through something and I feel the same level of joy about the end piece of work. And that's a really good itch to scratch because most things in life, you're always chasing the, uh, the acceptance and people enjoying it or you enjoying the work you put in. And it's something where I don't have to worry about a payday. Or I don't have to worry about a deadline. It's all just me putting myself out there. And once you rip that bandaid off the first time, it's, it's a high that I love chasing, and it's just wonderful. Yeah, it's a self-validation that doesn't come with any real strings attached to it, and I think that is important. And it is, I feel like, for most people, what the joy and the gratification of doing shows like this or any podcast is about is just the, you know, because we've all we all have had conversations with friends over you know our lives, and you just are like, oh man, that was a really interesting conversation. Man, I wish you know at the time when the recording equipment's around and podcasts exist, like, man, we should have recorded that and, like, put that out. I wonder what other people would think about it. Fuck it. Then just put a fucking, next time you guys are hanging out, put a mic in front of each of you and let's see what the hell happens. Again, like, the worst that happens is nobody listens to it. Oh, well, no one was going to listen to it beforehand if it was just the four of you hanging out at your buddy's house, right? So why not? There's nothing ventured and there's... There's no real risk to it other than, you know, maybe some criticism. And I mean, at least for some of us, especially like me, 
you know, I mean, it's not like we have a huge listener base or anything. So I don't see comments ever. Nobody ever comments or anything. And even if they did, they could, you know, cut it to shit. And I'd be like, well, fuck that person, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I, I still, I still put myself out there. What are you doing? Writing a comment on a thread for someone you don't know. Good job, buddy. Exactly. Right. Like, yeah, you, <laughs> you sure showed me a thing or two. Way to go. Give you a gold star and a cookie. You know, like who gives a shit? I mean, and but not to discount, you know, online uh, harassment and bullying and negative comments. Those can have a big impact on people who put themselves out there. And it is. Oh. It is it is a risk. It's not technically nothing risked, but it is very low risk overall. And you know, I I do this not for people to listen to. I have no aspirations or hopes or expectations that one day my show is going to blow up and I've got like 10,000 people listening to it every week. No, like you know, I don't even know what the metrics are. I don't even have access to our uh, iTunes accounts. I don't even know how many people are listening to there. I just have the SoundCloud metrics. And it's like 60 to 80 is an average for an episode. Sometimes it'll jump up to like, you know, 120 or something. If it's yeah. something like Godzilla versus Kong or, you know, a big episode or something like that. But it's like, you know, I see those, but I don't pay them any real attention. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. If there were five people listening, we'd still be doing it because I enjoy doing it. And as long as, you know, and I tell my co-hosts because they, you know, sometimes will rib me and so forth about being like, yeah, you know, going through all these movies because for Dan's show, I'm like, you can leave whenever you want. I'll give you a saw. You can cut off your foot to get rid of that chain that's tied around your ankle. But don't worry, you can leave whenever you want. Jokingly, of course. But it's like, you know, as long as they want to keep doing it, they're welcome to be here on the show if they... If they one day are like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop being on the show. I'm like, hey, no worries, man. It was good having you on while you were. We'll, we'll keep going. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, uh, it, You know, it's something that I've found a way of reconnecting with people and connecting to new people, of course, too. But, you know, everybody goes through the, whether it's after high school or whether you move out of your hometown, you know, or you leave college, we all go through that level of growing up where the things that you always had available to you, the people that you always had available to you are available less. There's less spontaneity. And so everything becomes a plan. Everything has to be planned. And then that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for planning just fun. You know, it's always going to be a yeah. big, it's always going to be a big this. So I have a group of friends um, that were a improv troupe. Um, they were friends that did an improv class in college and ended up being an improv troupe. And they actually created a podcast with no aspirations of it blowing up, but it actually has blown up. But they had no aspirations. The whole point of it was we need to get back together consistently and hang out. And we're going to do it online. But if we do that, everyone's going to have excuses and stuff going on in their life to not show up after a while. So what are we going to do? We're going to make it be a podcast. So you have to be there. And they made it, um, they're like, well, it would be great if we could all play Dungeons and Dragons again. So they made it a D and D podcast where they're playing through a game. So it's an improv troupe playing D and D and it's a friggin' riot. It's called adventure incorporated. I think they're on like four years now or something. Nuts oh, I've like heard that. of them. Yeah, and they're just a great group of folk. They've been to conventions all throughout the country. And, you know, it's just a really cool thing because they literally started it as a we would all like to hang out again and do improv. 
But if we don't make it into something that is a scheduled thing, but also we don't want it to be like the scheduled thing where we, because like I've played D&D with my friends, eventually people's lives like start becoming problematic and you can't get there. And then you start kind of lacing into each other, you know, a little bit unintentionally, like, oh, I guess it's not important to you anymore. So like, you know what, we're going to make it be a thing. It'll be monetized. And then we can go, well, at least it's work. It's something that I'm doing to benefit me. But also, it's to scratch that itch of getting together with your friends. And who cares if anyone listens to it? And Man, I think that's you don't know how you don't know how close to home the ah uh, the D and D issue falling apart. I've got three different groups with that going on right now. We've all kind of agreed, like you know what, we're gonna wait till the end of summer because everything's opening back up. Everybody's going on vacation. Everybody's got that cabin fever. They're like, I I I gotta go somewhere. I gotta do something. So everybody's doing that right now, and like. We figure at the beginning of September, we're all going to come back and like uh, one of them that he's the DM, he's already written up like the next five episodes is like a mini five shot cam mini campaign and everything. We're carrying over our characters that we did at the beginning of the year and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, life gets in the way. And it's funny to me how if you make something a podcast, it's like this, this false officialness to it you know what i mean i'm just like and now it's a thing as opposed to just well, hanging out also, like you said and also it, it allows the spontaneity of i'm hanging out with someone today it's planned but when you have to get up out of your house and go and be somewhere and oh god it's been a week or it's been three weeks since we've done anything to me at least it needs to be an event it can't it's hard to just go somewhere, be there with someone for a half hour, an hour, and then leave and feel like you weren't one of you wasn't being the dick that had to like go back to their life, right? You know, especially, so, yeah, especially if like one person's, you know, because people over time, your group of friends growing up, you know, you're all in the same general neighborhood because you usually are in the same middle school or high school or whatever, college together and everything, right? So you're all kind of in this place. And then as life continues on, you all spread out and everything. And so, like, we have that with all my various groups of friends and everything, too, of, like, all right, well, this person lives in Wisconsin now, so it's, like, an hour and a half drive for them. So it's not something you can just plan for an hour. So, yeah, it has to be, like, this is a event that we're doing, and we're right. going to be there, and we're going to have fun, and there's nothing's going to fuck this up, goddammit. <laughs> well, right, and then it doesn't, and then that has a little bit of fakeness to it. Exactly. Because it doesn't allow anybody to be having an off day that day because then they feel like they're bringing down the group or whatever. And it's something we have to mature through and learn that, you know, sometimes you can have sometimes that constantly being there and being a part of every minute of everybody's lives and always being there. there there's a negative side to that, too. Um, I, I now have a lot more friends that every time we talk, it could be a week, it could be months. It's like we just continued on the conversation before. No other life BS gets in the way, right? Yeah, um, no, I'm one of my best friends I've known since third grade, Chris. He's been on our show twice. He's going to come back on in a couple months when we cover Evangelion, which that's going to be a daunting task. But my goodness. Wow. Yeah, well, but like he's one of those, like he, it's when we were growing up as kids, me, him, one other person, we were collectively collecting all the vhs tapes of the series when we were like 14 right awesome. so like collectively we had all of them between the three or four of us so like he watches that series like almost like once a year just because like it's his favorite anime it's one of my favorites as well so it's i incredible. visit it fairly often um 
But, like, he now lives in Norway with his wife because she's from Scandinavia because he was in the army, uh, several deployments, and he was living in Germany for, like, five years, met her while he was there and so forth. Um, and they have a kid now, uh, a young baby boy who's yeah, a couple months old or, no, a year old now, just over a year old. Um, and, but, like, every time we talk, you know, obviously he doesn't, come into town very often because it's not a two-hour drive. It's a whole fucking thing. But, you know, we hate each other up on, uh, like, FaceTime every so often when we do. So, you know, we go back to talk about, like, so what we're talking about, all right, Zack Snyder, Justice League. So the thing I was, I was trying to talk about that yes. was and we just kind of keep back on, right back on track and everything. And we've always done that for years where, like, we've always had an interesting rapport where, like, it would just be me and him hanging out with a couple others. And then by the end of the night, it's me and him at like 2, 3 a.m. in front of his parents' place in my car. And we've just gone on like the most stupid, big, full-blown-out argument over the dumbest thing possible. To where we're just yelling at each other like, fuck you, you're a piece of shit, and you'll never fucking amount to anything. So, <laughs> so lunch at 11.30 tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, I'll call you when I'm up. All right, cool, cool, cool. And, and this just, is one of the things that, that we we mature out of that a little bit with 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 certain people, and and I feel like podcasts are a strange way to recapture that, you know, where it's like tonight, eleven p.m. No matter other bullshit going on in our day, we're getting together and we're chatting about this, and it's only an hour, but it feels like a very um, rich hour. It feels like yeah. even though you might just be having a conversation about, you know, kaiju and stuff like we're doing right now, right? It feels very enriched and it doesn't, there's no strain. There's no, oh man, I should really be doing something else. Because you set aside the time to do, I'm not going to say to do nothing because it, it, it's vocal, right? There's no dead air here, right? We're, but it's, yeah, it's the kind of stuff that you forget, the simpler stuff that, you know, my favorite time sometimes having parties with friends is the end of the night, you know, back, and you can't really do this with kids anymore. Right. But you know, the, the, the end of the night when <laughs> almost everybody's gone home and a couple people are asleep on the couch or whatever, and you just get into like a deep philosophical conversation with your buddy about, so you didn't plan to have that talk. Right. But you go, man, that hour and a half long talk I just had with my buddy. I'm going to remember that for years. You I know? feel like what that is, is, it's the same thing of, like, it's why the, I feel like the point of, like, high school reunions are pointless. Because it's all this, like, fake, oh, little small, it's all this, yeah, theater small talk stuff. And it's mostly with people that you haven't seen in 10 years, 20 years, however long. And you didn't really care. You know, like, you don't care. You, if you cared, especially nowadays, you would have kept in touch with each other and everything. But it's... Because you're in these groups and even like parties with like groups of friends that you know and you're well acquainted with and you've known for years, right? So like next Saturday, there's probably gonna be like 10 or 12 of us. And like that, you know, you split off into smaller different conversation and everything. But yeah, like you said, as the night gets on and some people leave and some people fall asleep or this or that. And it's when you get that one-on-one -on -one or like maybe two of you or three of you you break down that facade you break down those barriers that people have up in like a public setting of like this is the me the public face i want to have people see right and then you break that down or get past that and you get into that like really weird niche conversational stuff and it could be about something 
profound or important, like, you know, experiences uh, with child, you know, uh, raising children, whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah, it could be some really hour and a half stupid conversation about, like, well, who would fight, who would win between Wonder Woman and Aquaman or whatever, you know, something really I... stupid and pointless. But, like, it matters because the, while the topic itself might not be important, what you're learning about the other person, the conversation by context, context is important. And you're learning a new layer of how that person thinks, who they are, and all this other interesting niche stuff that you don't get in a group setting. Right. And we, we also don't, because everything in life when you're grown up, quote unquote, needs to be scheduled. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to schedule something like that. To go, hey, hey, Bill, wouldn't it be great if at four o'clock today we have an hour long conversation about, you know, if Superman has to dye his hair when he gets older, you know, or, or something like this. <laughs> and instead, with with podcasts, you can go, hey, I have an idea or, you know what? No person I've never really talked to, but uh, in, in person, we're going to do a show on Friday and it allows that all that guard to be taken down of just saying for now, right now it's just you and I, and we're going to get to know each other. And you, you end up getting the real person and you end up learning more about them. And there's nothing in life outside of maybe like therapy, right. That is really set up to allow yourself to be so vulnerable, but in a safe environment. And, and I, I don't really know a better way to describe it than that, but it's, I feel like I've gotten to know strangers, you know, better than I've got to know some of my closest friends. And I also just in doing this show, like can get a podcaster on what, like Alex and Sharon, for example, and they end up having a conversation with me. They've never had on their own show just because why on your own show would you go, Oh, I'm going to do, you know, my entire upbringing as a geek. That's not what my show is about. My show is about movies. So I might touch on that a little bit. But it's like just out of random conversation, they go, you know what? I was just able to tell you something I've never told my listeners before or something I've never told my best friend before. And I think that's fascinating that all it takes is just setting aside an hour of time to just really focus your attention on somebody or a group of people, you know? Yeah. And it's especially hard to do that these days. Now, it's the double-edged sword of the internet. Like, we have the opportunity to do things like setting time aside to do a show like we're doing right now. But, you know, it's also the flip side of that is it's incredibly hard to focus in on something because with the internet and phones and iPads and computers and this and that, there's all these distractions constantly. So, you know, in your day-to-day, when you're doing one thing, you're actually doing three or four different things simultaneously, you know, yep. varying degrees and so forth. Because, you know, I know I'm driving in between customers and everything, um, you know, listening to, listening to something on my phone on the on the uh, system, the sound system for the truck I hung up through or connected through Bluetooth. I'm thinking about later on in the day, I'm thinking about two customers from now. I'm, you know, thinking about, you know, what are we going to have for dinner? Whatever, you know, there's a bunch of different things that are constantly going on. But when we're having this conversation like we are right now, I'm not thinking about all that stuff. I'm not looking at my phone. I don't have something else playing in the background. I'm not 
contemplating about what I'm doing later tonight or over the weekend or whatever. Be like, oh, man, you know, we got to go to Costco. I got to pick up this. I got to make a list of that. No, no. Me and you are just talking, and I'm just focused on this right now. And it's, yeah, doing the show, it's refreshing to have that where it's you just, whether it's this show, my show, you for your show or whatever, having that, nope, this is what we're doing right now, and we are just paying attention to it. And, like, and even through that, you kind of learn others, like, how to do it a bit better over time. Like, initially when we started my show, what we were doing was we were going through the movie, like the main content of the episode was going through the movie scene by scene and yep. try to break it down chronologically or whatever. And over a period of time, I was like, you know what? This is stifling a lot of just impromptu conversation about, because this scene ties into something later on in the movie. And I'm like, eh, we'll hold off on that until we get there to that point in the movie. But we're stifling the spontaneity and the creativity and the flow of consciousness of the conversation. So eventually I just decided, you know what? We're just going to have it free format, more or less. You know, basic topics of like, hey, you know, talking about this character, these groups of characters. Then we're talking about the effects work. And then we're talking about this, you know, or whatever. And I just do a plot summary at the beginning. Not the beginning, beginning, but like, you know, greet everybody. A brief thing about the movie. Everybody's expectations and thoughts about the movie in general. I do the plot breakdown. And now we free format, more or less, until it's time to you know, wrap it up and everything. And it's just, it flows so much better that way. Editing-wise, it's not as great for me, but, you know, no. it's better overall for the product as a whole. And I, it was a good decision for me to do that. I just wish I had come up with that and figured that out a little bit earlier than I had. But, you know, that's part of the learning process. It is, and the more, the more people you add, it, you know, you have to give yourself more time, right? Because a one-on-one -on -one podcast is... I won't say easy, but you kind of get the the feel of the flow and the vibe of the person you're talking to pretty quick. And it's, at least, at least I feel like I do. Do you know what I mean? Like you, it becomes yeah. pretty comfortable pretty quick, but the minute you have three or four or five and everybody has their own, you know, their own tone and their own speed and the, it, it, it can really make a multi-episode show. You know, you really have to find that, that niche and that vibe. It's a hard thing to do. Especially when you, especially when you consider the fact that like, um, you know, we have a minimum of four people pretty much on every show. Usually five nowadays. We usually have at least one guest on every episode, and it's like, you know, somebody's talking about one particular topic, and somebody wants to jump in about their comment on that before the the person who's talking gets too far away from that point, you know, and yep. so. And so it's like, it's great as like a banter back and forth and like a flow of conversation. It's like a group of friends just hanging out and just kind of talking. One person will start talking. The other person will like try to talk over them for a moment just to like, and, and especially about that, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and that's all great. But then on the editing side of the back end, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to, I have to try to clean this up somehow. So that over here because they, they held off so long that they just said crap i wanted to say something about that can i say it now right <laughs> and the thing is like i don't do a lot of effort i take a lot of time but i don't put a lot in you know like alex and sharon with their show obviously you know oh, he, he has whole uh, i only the only thing i write up is the my intro for the episode and then maybe a plot synopsis but i've been lazy with that and usually just go off of wikipedia at this point it depends on if i really have something a funny way of doing a plot summary of like i'm gonna do this from the villain's perspective or whatever right 
But like, you know, Alex writes out multiple, basically like mini theses yeah. and he's got music playing constantly and so forth. And like, and I love the production value he puts in. I just don't have the patience to do it. You know, I'd love exactly. to be able to do the same. I it, did a it, little bit for like our 100th episode, but like even that, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is a lot to do. It blew me away um, being on their show for the first time because I, I mean, I was honored first when they asked because wow, because they're, they're just, they're, they're Herculean in the, uh, you know, in, in the stratosphere of, wow, a show that I look up to wants me to be on their show. And, and oh, I just, had the exact same thing, especially because, like, you say Herculean, I go Macho Man, the cream of the crop. Yeah, and, and, and again, they're just, they're so open and, like, welcoming, you know, and I it's just, you know, you don't expect someone that, the show comes out so good that you expect there to be a lot more like pretense and stuff behind it. So we got right into it and Alex, you know, does his opening bit. And I just went, Whoa, like, and he just came out of it and, and Sharon just goes, Oh yeah, dude, you're playing with the big boys. now." <laughs> and <I was> like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, like being on, I've been on the show a couple of times. Now. The first time I was on was talking about Godzilla King of the monsters with your brother, which was, a huge honor for me because I've been watching his content since like 2009, the first time he was on The Escapist. Oh, wonderful! So like I've been a big fan of your brother for years and everything, and I I I held it together. I didn't nerd up like, oh my god, I'm such a fan, but because you know I'm I'm also an equal of fan. I'm also an equal fan of Alex and Sharon and everything, so I was able to hold it together. And we were talking about something that you know, my show is based on, I'm pretty well versed in and whatnot, but like being on their show, it's interesting really seeing how like, you know, it's the behind the scene, how the, how the sausage is made kind of thing. And I'm like, Oh, it's not too different from how I do it. He just puts, it just gave me more respect of how much more he does in post-production to kind of bring it all together. I'm like, wow, that is, that is so much. And I am, I admire Alex's dedication even more, especially because I also obviously listen to all of his New Century stuff. Yes. And I just sit there and go, wow, wish I had the energy to do that. I don't, but you know what? That's okay. Well, that, that was the other thing. And, and you go, going back to, uh, I, I really appreciate, it's great to still find people that can genuinely tell me how much they like my brother. Because he, he's, he's such a... It was great to hear him on the internet for the first time because that was my whole childhood. Do you know what I mean? Like, li- my my brother and I connected over him just walking out into the middle of the living room after everyone else went away and just off the top of his head dictating these long theses about things that he found interesting. And that's how I learned most of the crap that I know now. You know? Like, I, I told him one time in, in high school, Bob, I have to write a paper about you know, so-and-so battle in World War II. And he goes, all right. He goes, let me tell you about that. And I'm like, well, thank you for downloading all that to my brain because now that's my paper. You know what I mean? Like, he, he just, this is the kind of guy he is. And it really was, you know. I'm just thinking like, under, if it's like a thesis of paper, sources cited my brother. Right, no. Uh, and I actually would say to him after, well, since that was most of the info I got for my paper, can we like go on the internet or wherever now and look for sources? Because I'm not just going to say my brother told me this, <laughs> you yes, know, even right. though it, 
He may be knowledgeable, but, you know, it doesn't fly with a, you know, term paper about, like, and here's my research. Right. And and so, it you know, being away in college, when he, he lost a job and started um, putting stuff up on YouTube, and that, that was where the Game Over Thinker started and the movie Bob stuff. And then fans saw it and put him in on Screw Attack and The Escapist, and he won the contest and got the jobs, right? Um, and it was... Like, because I was about an hour, hour and a half away from home at college, and Bob was still, Bob went to a local college near home, and he was also done with college when I started, basically. But um, he, it, it was like getting to talk to my brother every night, you know, watching these videos and stuff that he put up. And so, even when he wanted to do that podcast with me the first time, this is my brother, right? I know him outside of his persona on the internet. But when I flipped the record button, that first time we were recording, like I'm geeking out. Cause I'm like, wait a minute, movie Bob wants me to be on his show. Like I'm about <laughs> to be on the internet. Like people are going to hear me. Like this is a huge deal. <laughs> so it's very hard to parse that because he's, he's my best friend. Hold on. Your, your audio just glitched out there. It sounds like you're like 20 feet away. <laughs> no. Oh, weird. Give me one second. Yep. How about now? There you go. I don't know what happened. I'm sorry about that. No, I did. I make it easier for you, man. <laughs> where Where did it glitch out? What was I saying? Uh, when you were saying like, movie Bob wants to talk to me. Yeah, and and so you know, lots of people are going to hear this. Lots of people are going to see it. It's really hard to parse out that, you know, I. I've lived every day of my life with this person. They're my best friend, but also I've spent a hell of a lot of time only hearing the final product of their creation. And so I know the behind the scenes and then it, you know, it, it's, it's just really cool. And it's, it's so great and so rewarding to hear that people genuinely think of Bob the same way that I do, because he's unfortunately attracts a lot of negative attention too. And, he it, can be a bit of a heat seeker for sure. A bit it's of very, a heat seeker. Yeah, but, but I've always I've always admired the fact that he stands his ground that stuff, and he, and you know, obviously persona wise, and what he puts out there is obviously showing that like, hey, this stuff doesn't get to me, but obviously to some degree it gets to all of us, right, and so forth. Oh, yeah. But but you know, he I've always admired his sticking to his guns always and everything and like you were saying yeah it's like oh movie bob wants to you know have my me on his show and it's like yeah it's hard to parse out movie bob versus robert you know yeah oh yeah did you did you um hear so there was right before right before covid him and i did the grumpy old gamers panel at pax east were you aware of that? I'll have to post that into Fireside. I was the, I was aware of it. I haven't actually gone and actually watched it yet. So so the 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 reason I say this is that that was wild. That one he asked me to do that, and then secondly that we we got the panel because he's like Chris. I've been trying to get a panel here for four years, and they accept the one you sign on with. For. I thought that was kind of cool, but yeah. um, but he then said so. Prior to that, he was getting over a really bad like month and a half two month long laryngitis thing he had he had a he had a really bad cold and his voice never really came back so much so that he for a whole month had me do the big picture 
Oh, interesting. He literally had me record it. He wrote the scripts. So I, for like a month, got to be the voice of the big picture on The Escapist. That I still have not been able to get over the like weird feeling of like, I'm sitting down, like reading Bob's words. I don't speak like him. Do you know what I mean? So it was very strange for me to be talking like, you know, oh, okay. I guess I got to uh, brush up on my thesaurus because now I'm reading a Bob script. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it's funny because like a lot of stuff that Bob did back in the day, all a lot of the big picture stuff, like it it influenced stuff on my podcast in terms of like, oh right, Attack of the Super Monsters. That's a thing that exists. I have to remember that and write it down. And like I'd seen it once before, but like I totally forgot it existed, right? Because it's too much swimming up in here in my brain and it's hard to parse oh, yeah. out what's part from what. I usually have a pretty good memory, but I like I could watch a movie one time and probably remember about 60% of it, like, beat for beat. But, you know, nobody's gonna... I don't have an eidetic memory or anything, but... And, you know, I've always enjoyed watching him cover these kinds of things, and I'm like, ah, because I was always like, "Ah, he's a geek like me. He likes Gamera and Godzilla and Ultraman and stuff like that. It's always so nice. And it was really fun having... being on Alex and Sharon's show with him, talking about Godzilla. And I was like, man, this is a weird intersection of my life in a very personal way that I can't express on the show. When, uh, when King of the Monsters came out, I remember him. He, he was so bummed he couldn't get me into the critic screening for it. And uh, he called me as soon as the movie came out. He goes, it's going to end up being, they're keeping this one really hush-hush and I don't know why. And it's going to be some time where I'm not going to be able to tell you that I'm going to it. But he called me as soon as he walked out and I go, Bob, what's up? And he goes, dude, I just saw it. And I was like, you just <laughs> saw what? He goes, I just saw it. He goes, I am unable to be objective about this. He's like, this is the greatest movie I have ever seen. Like it, it's everything. It's everything I ever wanted. And I just want to be sitting in our living room at two in the morning on our crappy old Magnavox TV, watching this damn thing with you because it's wonderful. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's great. And truth be told, like, I absolutely agree with him. That movie, I think, is an amazing remake, more or less. Like, an amazing Hollywood, modern-day retelling of, like, classic old Showa-era Toho monster movies. And it's, you know, not to get too far. Like, I, there's, you know, you probably know at least a little bit from Bob the, like, the the modern-day stuff western audiences are always very like either love it or hate it and there's a lot of like you know old guard being like it's cgi it doesn't it's not a real kaiju movie and it's like all yep. right just just keep yelling at your fucking cloud old man you just get out of here and like, i i really like a lot of stuff that has come out recently to the point where like uh, last last weekend or two weekends ago when the new godzilla anime dropped on netflix finally I, me and a couple of my friends, we got on Zoom, and I'm like, you know, we're going to watch this. We're, we're just going to watch a couple episodes, you know, just for a fun, like, Saturday night. We ended up binging the entire fucking season. And then everybody who was still on, I'm like, hey, you know, for real quick, just hit record. Uh, and I'm like, you know, we're going to do, like, quick, like, 30-minute, just a little talk about it, because um, I'm going to use that as part of when we cover that for the show 
as a supplemental like I did for our Godzilla vs. Kong review. It's mostly the same group of people, too, who were there on uh, Zoom that we watched together, singular point for. So I enjoyed doing that, just getting that like blind reaction. Hey, we just finished watching it. I want to get everybody's thoughts. And because everybody, again, comes at it from a different place and everything. And it's, it's fun watching it because all these people have been indoctrinated into the genre in some way, shape, or form by me over just knowing me. I, it's this weird osmosis that I have. Just like, if you know me for more than six months, you'll know some kaiju stuff. You'll have seen some things. It's awesome. I, and it's, it's one of my very favorite genres. So you're, you're speaking to a diehard from childhood. You know, it was really that kind of stuff of two o'clock in the morning tonight on TBS. We're staying up. Because, you know, um, the giant Gila monster is on, you know, or whatever. It's like, all right, Bob, right. I'm in on it. <laughs> yeah, just the old, like, you know, TNT monster mashes on, like, a Saturday afternoon or evening or whatever the hell those happened. Yeah. I mean, like, I, for years, some of my VHSs were just taped off of TV of this movie, you know? Yep. I even had, like, for a long time, I had taped off a VH, uh, off a TV, a VHS of the colorized version of the original King Kong. Whoa! Yeah, so that I had that for a long time and everything. The tape didn't survive forever, but, you know, that happens. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I love this genre so much, because it's so, it can be as deep or as shallow as you want it to be. You know, Bob talked about it on the KOTM episode with Alex and Sharon on their show about, like, you know, people have written entire papers about looking at Godzilla and the monsters he's fighting as an allegory for the U.S. and the Soviet Union or, you know, international relations and Japan's caught in the middle. You can look at it the way you want to, or you can just take it at face value and be like, yeah, Godzilla beats the shit out of that monster because... It's a monster, and Godzilla must kill all monsters, because that's how Godzilla do. I have, for many years, have always said Godzilla is a raging alcoholic. He's, oh. got, he's got a whole, like, I always look at it this way. When he comes out of the sea, it's like you're at a party, you know, back when we were young, you know, like our 20s, right? You're at a party, and you're getting loaded, and you're like, I need to take a break. I need to step outside and get some air, right? That's him rising out of the sea, stepping outside in the back patio. No one else is out there because everybody else is inside. Maybe there's one person having a cigarette, right? And it's like, just breathe deep for a minute or two. Now imagine if the next door neighbor just started throwing rocks at you. <laughs> and you're drunk, like near blackout drunk. So, And he's an angry drunk, so his response is, Oh, you're going to start some shit? I'm going to come over there, bust down your fence, break in your house, and wreck everything in your home right now because I'm drunk and angry. And, like, there's plenty of stuff, especially in, like, the Showa era of, you know, all the mishaps that happened for Nakajima of, like, stumbling over or getting caught on fire or tripping onto something. So he's stumbling around. He doesn't have great coordination because he's drunk. And, you know, nuclear fuel, that's his tequila. So, you know, you... you you know, like in Godzilla 1985, they hit him with the cadmium missiles. That's like doing three shots of tequila when you know you shouldn't, but you still chose to anyway. And then you pass out in the middle of a fucking building standing up. You're just like leaned up against their grandfather <laughs> clock or whatever, right? <laughs> eventually, like, someone punches him and he wakes up and gets mad and fucking <laughs> throws down real quick. And then when the, you know, he gets into a fight with another monster, some dude at a party 
beats the shit out of him, and then he's like, you know what? That was a good fight. Time for me to go home and sleep this one off. I'll be back next week. Exactly. That I never even thought of it, and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I've I've brainstormed. I don't have enough really here, but I've brainstormed the idea of like doing like I said, there's a annual Godzilla convention, G Fest, that happens here in Chicago every year. And they get like actors and directors and music composers, soup makers, effects directors to come every year to come and do panels and everything. And the it's it's a family oriented uh, convention, right? So I would never be able to do it unless they ever did like an after dark segment. And I'd love to do and work on a like panel of like analyzing substance abuse or mental health issues via a different kaiju within like the Toho or Daiye universe. Like Godzilla's a raging alcoholic, right? And you know, figure out where some of these other kaiju fit in, and like figure out if there is like a substance abuse issue or a mental health issue that like this kaiju kind of over the years has has a, a correlation to or something i need to i need to workshop it a lot but i've got godzilla down pretty well this has been an incredible conversation i i would love to do it for hours and hours and hours on end but um i'd like to get us both back i actually have to go back to work unfortunately um but I'd like to give you the opportunity to, uh, you know, give a shout out, plug anything you want, just to, you know, remind the people where they can find your stuff. Well, of course, uh, you know, I'm Dan Hepner. First, you can find me on Twitter at Mighty Megatron Zero. I don't know why I put the zero in there, but there it is. Um, I don't do a lot on there. Mostly, I'm just uh, saying, hey, new episode of the show, right? Um, but the show, you can find the Leftover Army Monsters Giant Podcast All Out Attack. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, those feeds are there. Obviously, you can find that on the Fireside Alliance as well. Um, that's mostly it. I don't have like a huge online presence, and I don't, you know, I'm on like the Instagrams and the what all the fangled new kids are doing these days and all that stuff. I mean, like, I may be 36, but I've got the heart and mind of like a 45 year old man. So. <laughs> But um, obviously, other people in the Fireside Alliance, obviously, if you're listening to this, you continue to listen and uh, consume Chris's content. Go check out uh, the rest of the stuff on the Fireside Alliance, especially Alex and Sharon, both their show School of Movies and, of course, the New Century Multiverse, because I cannot praise that shit high enough. And that's it. it. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. We'll have to do this again. I would love to talk kaiju on your show someday please absolutely uh, fuck you know you know what let me pull up the master list for the show because absolutely we i need to have you on the show at some point where cool shoot, shoot me that shoot me that as so i can go back into work and make them happy but thank you thank you for shooting the shit with chippa like dan said you can find all of both of our content through the fireside alliance.com you can also find his content you know leftover army monsters by searching it, finding it, me, I'm Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa. Thank you for shooting the shit with Chippa. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.